Let's turn now to the book of Exodus. Once again, as we continue our series on the book of Exodus, just a heads up to where we're going here. At least one of you has said, you're not going to deal with a whole book, are you? No, I'm not going to deal with a whole book. And uh, in fact, two more sermons on the book of Exodus and sermons about the tabernacle, the God of the tabernacle this morning, and God willing next week, the people of the God of the tabernacle. And much, however, could be preached on this, uh, but ministers are sometimes wise not to preach everything that they could possibly preach on any given day. So we turn now to Exodus, and we're at the point on the uh, visit of God to the people in Mount Sinai of Uh, They're receiving information, instruction from on high about the building of the tabernacle. And so we have this in Exodus 25, and we're going to be speaking to a particular verse there, and also to another verse in Exodus 29. I'm also going to, so I'm going to read from those two chapters, but then going to read from Exodus 40, the very last chapter of Exodus after the finishing of the work, when the cloud of glory came and descended upon the tabernacle that was made. But Exodus 25, Moses has been on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, and verse uh, 1 of 25 through verse 9 will read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering, From everyone who gives it willingly, with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, ram's skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil, And for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And then this verse will be kind of a a thematic verse for this sermon. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishings, just so you shall make it. Then we would turn at this time to Exodus 29, where is another summary statement of the purpose of the building of the tabernacle. I'm trying to give us the sense of the forest and not de- uh, deal with all of the trees, the details of this chapter, these chapters. Exodus 29, 42 and following. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, while I will meet you to speak with you. Again, what this does here is in conjunction with instructions of detail about the burnt offerings, the Bible here is reminding us of the purpose of the tabernacle. It's called the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where God says, I will meet with you or meet you to speak with you. 
And there, verse 33, going on, I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. Another theme of the whole tabernacle. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, your God. Then, skipping over to the end of the, of the book of Exodus, the very end, after Moses had finished his work, that's verse 33, here's what happened. Then the cloud, that would be the cloud of God's own glory, covered the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, when they did not journey till the day that it was taken up, For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. That's as far as we'll read here. I encourage you and your families to take some time to visit the book of Exodus at this point, chapter 25 to the end of the the book, that would be a, a challenge, a good family devotion for the Lord's Day, the subject of the next two sermons, the end of our um, hearing the Word of God, at least for now, on the book of Exodus. So we turn here once again to the Word of God. The Word of God here gives us a remarkable revelation of the tabernacle, the appointment of it, the furnishings of it, the priesthood, and so on. Remember, Israel's on Mount Sinai, and they're here receiving this revelation of the law. They're being constituted a people of God, which will have a law from heaven, and especially which will have a meeting place from heaven, the meeting place of God with his people in what's called a tabernacle or movable tent. This is, in fact, a most important revelation. Some have said, just because of the The length of the revelation here, there's 15 chapters minus a dark interlude of Israel's sin in Exodus 32 through 34, but there's some 10 chapters anyway, replete with details about this building of the tabernacle and the provision of God for it. Most is written here, and just because there's a lot written doesn't mean it's more important than other things, but certainly... We know this is important. It is cited often is the tabernacle and various aspects of it in the New Testament. We know it's for our prophet. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished into every good work. So we know also in Romans 15.4 that whatever was written aforetime is written for our learning. Now, I remind us of this because it's the temptation when you're considering Israel in general or any revelation 
that God gave to Israel to say, well, that was just for the Jews. In fact, there's a whole quadrant of Christianity, namely the dispensationalists, that compartmentalize the revelation given to the Jews, Old Testament, and the revelation given to the Gentiles, the church in the New Testament. So important is the compartment of the Jews, they say, that they are the main people of God, the physical seed of Abraham. The church is just an interlude, and in fact, not the most important thing, and so much so is Israel important that they believe that Jesus will come again and reestablish the kingdom, now in a kind of glory on earth, for a thousand years in the physical Israel with physical Jews and so on. This is wrongly to divide the Word of God. Rightly to divide the Word of God is not to divide it, but it's to see that there's a unity here between Old and New Testament, and especially in this revelation of God in the tabernacle. And so we want to see this, and we want just to take two sermons on this as we consider the God of the tabernacle today, and then the people of the God of the tabernacle in a week, uh, God willing. But as we're considering this, and there's going to be some detail here, so we are impressed by the fact of what's going on here, we want to remind ourselves just of what I just said, that this sermon and this revelation here is not just for the Jews, And really, it's not just for anyone sitting here. Just as it was not, this revelation of the tabernacle, much to many of the people that were hearing these things. So, the revelation of the Bible is not much, sadly, to those who hear these things in congregations today that call themselves Church of Jesus Christ. You see... We're saying that Israel was this people of the tabernacle and they were supremely blessed. But there were a lot of people who were just hanging on and just there for maybe the visible triumph of God over enemies and the provision of God and the manna and so on. But they weren't there for what the tabernacle was all about. Worship. Expressing adoration to God. Expressing of the great awesomeness of God and the need for a mediator. So I would ask us today, is this revelation truly for us? And how shall we, encamped around the tabernacle as Israel of old, hearing the word of God gathered together in the name of Jesus, show just how precious the gospel here is to us? How shall we show that? Let's consider the type. Just some facts here. The picture of holy things that the tabernacle was, of which we'll speak presently, was in one way impressive, but in other ways not so impressive. If you would compare other tabernacles and altars and places of worship of pagans, Israel's tabernacle was not much, would not have competed in some kind of um, uh, 
contest for seven worship wonders of the world, for example. It was rather ordinary. 150 feet, we're told, as they, they do this in cubits back then, 150 feet approximately by 75, a rectangle, and there was an outer court surrounded by white uh, linen of, of goat's hair, fine linen, about eight feet tall, if I recall. And inside the outer court, 75 by 80 or 150 feet, was a tent called the tent of meeting or the tent of testimony, there to reveal certain things. And this was comprised of two compartments and to which the priests were allowed and them only, and then the high priest only in the holy place once a year. So it was a holy place, and then there was a holy of holy place, places. So the one compartment was 30 by 15, the other was 15 by 15, and the whole was 30 by 45, or 15 by 45. This was covered not only on the outside with curtains, but also on the top by different layers of goat's hair and ram's skins and badger skins. Keep out the rain, I guess, if ever it rained. So this, these chapters here in Exodus 25 through 40, basically, are about this construction of this edifice, this movable tent that could be taken down and and they would take it down and set it up again whenever God uh, left the camp and showed that by his rising up off the place where he dwelt visibly in the Shekinah glory, a cloud by day, a, a fire by night. They would move the tent. And they would pick up everything and they'd, they'd move the tent according to the order prescribed for them. There were furnishings in the tent in the tabernacle at large and in the holy places, like the laver, the wash basin, they had a place to wash up for the priests to consecrate themselves and the people. There was an altar of burnt offering. There was a table of showbread that they display the providence of God. There was an altar of incense, a candelabra, as we call it, and that symbolized the prayers of the uh, or there was a candlestick and an altar of incense symbolizing the prayers of the people. And there were many, many things uh, associated with that, how they were made of gold and of wood, some of the things. The laver itself and the altar of burnt offering were of bronze. So gold and silver and bronze were some of the, the materials that were used. And there were offerings that were made, and so there's laws for offerings that are begun here. They were more explicated in the book of Leviticus. Here's some, a list that's given later on in Exodus 35 of the things, the various things that were made. Let me read that for you, Exodus 35 and verse 10 through 19. All who, were gifted are, are, who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And then there's a list of all that the Lord commanded, the things that people had to make. The tabernacle, its tent, the holy place and the holy of holies, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, the ark and its poles, the Ark of the Covenant, that box in which was the law, 
Aaron's rod that budded in the pot of manna, the ark with its poles and the mercy seat on top, made of acacia wood and gold on top, and there's cherubim on the, on the top of it with wings overspread, symbolizing the wonderful presence of God, the veil of the covering, the table and its poles and all its utensils and the showbread, also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps and the oil for the light, the incense altar, its poles, and the poles, by the way, were to carry the thing with, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, all its utensils, and the laver, the wash basin, and its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, and their cords, the garments of ministry, which were quite elaborate, for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. Well, there's a, a list, a detailed list of things that were made. And they were made, were these things, and they were to be made by the Spirit-inspired Bezalel and Aholiab, so that there would be this making of these things precisely as God had shown to Moses. Really, the first part of the, the instructions about the tabernacle are instructions given to Moses, chapter 25 and following to about chapter 30, and then Chapter 35 and following is the construction of the temple. So there's two different revelations here of what is to be built and what is built. But a point that's made some seven times is that these details were just as God wanted them. There was a pattern here that was set in the mind of God and communicated to his servant Moses and through him to others of just what God had determined should be his tabernacle. This was then the building that was constructed according to the heavenly blueprint, the divine architect, God himself. It took some seven months to gather the material and to put them all together for the artisans, the especially gifted ones and others to assemble the things together that God had said they must make. Then, at the end of this, at the end of this thing that was remarkable, but not so exceptionally remarkable compared to other things that were made by pagans, at the end of this, there came to pass a thing that truly was remarkable and that distinguished, distinguished this temple, tabernacle, from all other places of worship on the earth. That is, the glory of God filled this tabernacle. As Moses is finishing the work, he'd superintended the building of the tabernacle. Verse 34 of chapter 40, we just read that. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So that, at least temporarily, Moses himself could not enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then there's an explanation of how important this glory of the Lord and his presence symbolized by it was to Israel. So important that 
they wanted to go wherever God went. And they were called to go wherever God went so that when he lifted up him, his visible presence and moved to another place, they'd go just there. This is all the pictures. These are some of the details. And I want to point out to you that this was a type especially of three things. First of all, it was a picture of heaven itself. And we need to remember that, that there was something that was heavenly that was prescribed here and made here. And there was the God of heaven who would dwell here. This was, in fact, a visible illustration on the earth, something seen of God's dwelling place in heaven. We read of that even, and there's proof of that in the book of Hebrews, to which I'll be referring uh, several times in this sermon, in chapter 9 and verses 23 and 24. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with the better sacrifices than these, comparing earthly Old Testament worship with heavenly. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands into a tabernacle of earth, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Heaven itself is symbolized, typified, as we say, foreshadowed in the tabernacle. Now that's amazing. The heavenly being of heaven is there revealed to us and to Israel in this symbolic way. Revelation 15.5 reminds us that, yes, indeed, it's true. There is a sense in which the tabernacle was a type of heaven. Revelation 15.5, after these things I looked and beheld, he's looking in heaven now, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. So you have on earth here this picture of heaven. And heaven is a real place, but it's for this God who has condescended even to dwell in heaven, in this universe, in that heavenly place, to show this wonderful thing, and that's the second thing, that God dwells with creatures. That's the second thing. It's a picture of heaven, is the tabernacle, later on the temple. It's also a picture of the gospel of God dwelling with his people in Jesus Christ. It's called a meeting place, and it's where God meets his people. It's a meeting place, and God would truly reveal this wonderful essence of his love and fellowship with his people, his tabernacling with him, in the Son, who in the fullness of time we read in John 1.14, dwelt or tabernacled among us, more on that presently. So that is the second thing. This is a picture of heaven. It is a picture of God with us in Jesus. And thirdly, it's a picture of the church's fellowship with this God with us in Jesus. We'll be talking about that shortly here in this sermon, but just in brief, we'll be especially focusing on that next time, God willing. This is a symbol of God with us, his creatures, in this time in Jesus Christ. 
And also this is brought out, this tabernacling of God with his people, as the fulfillment of all the salvation of God. So what you have to look forward to. Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Very similar to the language of the text which is ours, that the purpose of the tabernacle was to show that he dwells with his people. This is crucial. Now, beloved, so we have here this type, this picture. Three things. God's heaven. Second, God with his people in Christ. And then the people with this God in and through Christ. That's related to the second point. Marvelous picture here. Typified and now realized in Jesus. And we want to focus on this for the uh, second point of this sermon. The key to the tabernacle, as one commentator has astutely said, is Jesus Christ. God in Christ is revealed here in this typical way, but then in the fullness of time, it all comes out. And Hebrews is, reminds us of this. In fact, the Old Testament was things that came to pass, to be sure, but the New Testament is better things that are come to pass. Look at this in Hebrews 9, verse 11. Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. There's the tabernacle made with hands, even though by spirit-inspired hands and according to the pattern of heaven. But here's the tabernacle in the New Testament that is truly and fully come, that is a better thing. God with us in Christ. I read again, Hebrews 9, 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, the things promised, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Christ, you see, is typified in the thing that's made with, with hands. Then he comes with the body not made with hands, but the body that God had prepared for him and crafted in the womb by his spirit, the body of the Son of God incarnate. Amazing. And do we really understand this, beloved, and live this way? This is what we need to know here. Israel receives this, and you can imagine the thrill that they felt after all of the willing giving of the people and all the things that were made, and, and now God was going to show himself as really God and coming down in this tabernacle, off the mount as it were, but to another place that was close by them. And they're thinking, who knows what they were thinking, but there's something different about them too because of this God right there and this place to worship him. Well, how much more in Jesus? Remember I said in the prayer, I think it was, maybe an explanation of the law. That's, that's what it was. 
We have a lot of remembering to do as Christians. A lot of remembering we do, not of this experience of the tabernacle building or of the New Testament experience of Jesus Christ in the flesh, but there's something written here, something gloriously penned by God's own hand and his spirit through men to be sure. But this more sure word of prophecy, this thing called New Testament light that's brighter than a candlestick, that is greater than the glory that that Peter and James and John saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, there is this glory that is written down and now somehow communicated to us through the Word and through the Spirit in us so that we're brought near to the reality, the fullness of the promise and of the time and of all that God would say. Jesus Christ. Better things to come in him who is God incarnate, tabernacling among us, our Savior. Well, several things to say about this. How it's a type and how Jesus fulfills the type. First of all, this tabernacle is temporary only some 35 years did they use it in the wilderness. And then in the time of Canaan, it was moved from this place to that place. But it wasn't the permanent place. That would be Jerusalem and the temple. It was this temporary thing. But that reminds us of Jesus, who's temporarily in a humble body as the tabernacle was this humble abode so Jesus is temporarily here and for some 35 years. That's it. Tabernacling among us and then ascended to glory and to be at his return like the temple, the glorious place, the permanent place of the dwelling place of God with us. But just temporary here. For use, secondly, in the wilderness and even as we are given this revelation in the Bible of Jesus Christ in his humiliation and in his glory for our use in the wilderness. That's this life, this wild place called earth, where the devil is sneaking behind every rock and every vain philosophy and every internet site and every pew. There's a devil. There's whispering in your ears this devil and his demons wanting to get at you and to get the word of God. Remember the parable, to snatch the word of God before it sinks into your heart. And so that you're just encamped around the tabernacle, and in the church, and in the gathering of saints, asleep, or maybe woke, Jesus to us for our use in the wilderness, not our abuse, but as a mediator of our salvation, 
Jesus Christ in the third place, just like the, the tabernacle, rather humble in appearance, badger skins, goat skins, skins of, of rams and so on. Yes, gold, but overlaying acacia wood. And some have said that's symbolizing the divine nature of Jesus united with the human nature. You can go pretty far-fetched with things. You're trying to make symbols of realities, but some people go that way with some, some substantiation for their, their surmisings. But always, as well, this temple... This tabernacle, Jesus, we know to be the true dwelling place of God, don't we? The dwelling place of God with us, don't we? The tent of meeting, Jesus. The tent of testimony, another name for this, that is of the revelation of God. We behold God in Jesus. We meet with God in Jesus. Now that's what this tabernacle is all about. And the more we investigate the details of what God saw fit to show to Moses and to Israel, and that he saw fit to write it in the Bible, the more we understand the details of God's concern that there be this exact replication of himself, in other words, the express image of his person in his son. He's the tent of meeting. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Somehow he bridges the gap, does Jesus, between God Almighty in heaven and our earth and God the holy God and us sinners. And of course, crucial to the, the purpose of the tabernacle is a place of worship and sacrifice. This is all about Jesus, of course. And Hebrews really emphasizes this. The priest Jesus the sacrifice, Jesus, the one who is the blood, Jesus, the one who is the way to the holy place, Jesus, the one who is the, the day of atonement, the Yom Kippur, who is the high priest, the one whose blood is sufficient, the one who can and who only can ascend into the holy hill of God, the one who was perfectly obedient, who came in the volume of the book, it was written of him to do the will of God, and he did it. It's all there. It's all there in this remarkable thing called the incarnation of the Son of God and in the worship that he rendered to God in the way that he now is for sinners to himself. Beloved, I just want to say a few more things. I want to say this. There is a test in these two sermons of just how close we are to God. A test. I'm not putting it to us, but God is. With every revelation in Scripture, there's a test. That is a challenge, not a trial test. What a worship test, revelation of God test, a Bible test, a catechism test of students who still have a lot to learn and are easily those who forget. The test is this. The test is, what do you know about the tabernacle? How big was it? 
What did it symbolize in the Old Testament? Yes, that's part of it. But the test is especially, what is this Jesus of the tabernacle to you? How do you receive the truth of God with us? How, how do we do that? In the Old Testament tabernacle, there was one way in, one way into the worship of God. They camped around the edge in a certain order. You can read of that in Numbers 1, Numbers 2. The Levites were first around the edge of the tabernacle. And then the other tribes, three on each side. 12 tribes. One way in, that was on the east side. And from what we read in the scripture, Judah was there. One door, one way in through Levites and Judah, telling us something about what the tabernacle means to us and how we're going to get in there to worship God. It tells us of Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus the priest of priests, and Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will come through Judah, son of David. He will come, and we must follow where he leads, into the sanctuary of God. That's the only way, the only way. And then to know that he's offered the offering And to come boldly, as Hebrews will tell us in chapter 10, boldly into the throne room because the blood is already offered. You don't have to shed yours. Nor do you have to do anything else to earn something with God for a right of access. Jesus has paid his all. What is Jesus to you? I ask again. That's the question that's being put to the people of God there in the Old Testament. What is God to you? What is God with us to you? Go back to the Exodus. What has God ever meant to you in Moses? The type of the mediator, Jesus. What is God on the mount who came in the glory at the burning bush and was not burned up? What is that to you, Israel? What is all of these things? What are all of these things? The the manna that's given, the victory that's given. And the great provision of God to complaining people in the wilderness. What's that to you? Now you're established. Now you're a people of God. You've got your own campsite. You don't have to go through the DNR to get it. You don't have to get a reservation. God gave it. And that's another thing, not an incidental thing. Striking that what is very important for understanding the revelation of the the tabernacle and then the construction of it is that there was two revelations. First to Moses, the pattern was given to him. Exodus 25, following. Then 
Afterwards, chapter 35 and following, the actual building of it. This tells us something, and it tells us something also in light of the fact that the things that Moses received was according to the heavenly plan. You see, the tabernacle was planned before Moses say now, said, now, what can I do with the things that we have? And what you are to do, a holy Abin Bezalel. There was a plan of God. There was a decree of God. There was a purpose of God. And that purpose was exactly the way God made it because he was telling the people something. He's the God of eternity. You're going to meet eternity in the temple. You're going to meet eternity in the church. You're going to meet eternity, the eternal plan of God in Jesus. This is not just something that comes and it's a, an afterthought of God, Jesus. The tabernacle is first in the mind of God. This will be a tabernacle people. That's what he determined when he called Abraham out of Ur. And when he gave covenant to Abraham and now is establishing the people the people of God's good pleasure, these people, the tabernacle of God's good pleasure, the son of God's good pleasure, not Adam, but the second Adam, the real son of God, the real mediator between God and men. Remember the plan. Then finally this, remember the dark interlude which reminds us that we need the tabernacle, Jesus. The dark interlude we talked about last time, worship of the golden calf at the foot of Sinai by the people. They couldn't exist for 40 days alone without the sight of Moses and the assurance of God. There they were, dancing around the golden calf, will worship, worshiping the way they wanted to, breaking the commandments of God, breaking covenant, showing their unworthiness, so much so that God speaks anthropomorphically in a human way of rejecting the people. And Moses intercedes, and we have there the picture of what Jesus does. Well, that's how we know we're a tabernacle, people. When you come to God, and you come to church, and you come to one another, and you say, I am just a wretch. I need God. Yes, I'm appointed to be one of the Israelites, so we know there's something special about this Israelite people, but... I'm showing myself so unworthy. But then there's this tabernacle. And then there's this tabernacle constructed anyway. The plan was there. The people, you see, they don't interrupt the, the fulfilling of the plan. It's going to be built. Because it's built, you see, not on the sand of human devotion and human merit. It's built on the rock. God and the mercy of God. So people of God love the tabernacle 
the best thing ever to come, Jesus Christ. And look forward to the tabernacle that shall one day be between God and men in glory, heaven. Worship God. Be not only encamped around religion and revelation. Go into it through the door, Jesus, the door to God. Amen. We pray, Father, you would bless us now. We're a weary wilderness people, but you are a tireless God of our wilderness. And you've shown your love to us idolatrous people, us selfish people, us people whose last resort, it seems, so often is the cross by the tabernacle. And by the New Testament revelation of just how far heaven would go to earth and even to hell to bring back a people to himself and to say they're mine, they're mine. As dear to the heart of God as anything or anyone shall ever be, the people of God's good pleasure, the Son of God and the many sons and daughters in him. Lord, we believe. Help us to overcome our unbelief, not to be just camped out as Christians, but active worshipers, lovers of you. Amen.